0: Welcome to episode 221 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva, and we are entering peak draft season. It is almost time to eviscerate our enemies. Evan, how's it going?
1: It's going well. Just bang- you, you guys just banged out the podcast with um, uh, pace and, and snap specialist Pat Thorman, so people should check that out. Today we'll be talking about some news and notes around training camps, as well as latest changes to the top
0: 150. Uh, Evan was just telling me that he was out exercising 95 degree heat and almost passed out and died. So any uh, any suggestion that he does his own yard work, I think can now be put to rest as he can't even be outside exercising for more than five minutes in 95 degree heat.
1: I got, got a very, very small taste of what these guys are out there doing every day, the, uh, the NFL players, you know, so I, I feel a little kinship with them, I, I'm sure that Leone cannot say the same. Do you think that Leone pays someone
0: to work out for him? <laughs> yes, he has a personal trainer. So, to some to some degree, yes. <laughs> to some degree, yes. Um, by the way, anybody watching on YouTube, I know we made a lot of fun of the bookshelf. Drop a comment on YouTube about how good my bookshelf looks now. All right, shout out to me. On today's show, as Evan said, we're going to examine the latest camp news, we're going to look at takeaways from the first preseason game that happened between the Cowboys and the Steelers. We're going to go over changes to Silva's recent top 150 rankings changes. Before we get into that, two things. First, our best pricing by far, by a mile, is on the bundle package. Combines the draft kit and the in-season package. And for a limited time, that is the lowest price you will have all year. Second, the first full preseason DFS slates are... This weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we are grinding ourselves from 3.9 inches down to 3.5 inches trying to get all the information we need to beat these slates. Preseason DFS is a separate package. Check it out on the site. Also, must remind everyone, this show is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. There is a $5 buy-in best ball tournament, $500,000 prize pool called the Puppy 2. If you have the draft kit, you are entitled to at least $10 for free on Underdog. Take the free money, fire it at the Puppy upload our rankings, use the strategy articles, easy game. All right, let's get into it here, Evan. First bit of news that came down on Monday, Saquon Barkley, as we've been alluding to here back in practice. And, you know, I've been outspoken saying that I think they're just under-promising. They're going to try to over-deliver on Saquon's health. I think there's other holes you can poke in Saquon though, for sure. We touched on some of them with Thorne, they've been reportedly a mess. You eviscerated them in their team-by-team preview you did uh, on the Giants. How are you thinking about Saquon now that he's back in practice? Are you going to move him in the rankings?
1: I don't think so. I think I'm going to leave him right where he was. I don't think anything has changed. You know, I think that all it really did was took a uh, reserve PUP, which would have cost him the six game, the first six games, out of play. But we never expected that anyway. And now it, the question becomes, is he going to be ready for week one? My guess is that he will be, but he will be limited. Um, and now there have been reports that uh, Corey Clement has been outplaying Devontae Booker in Giants camp. You know, they, they traded or they, they signed Alfred Morris. They drafted Gary Brightwell. They've been preparing to ease Saquon Barkley in or maybe not even play him in week one. Um, He's got, I know he's got a tough schedule those first two games. And then, uh, so, I mean, yeah, he's going to be like, maybe like a flex play in those first two games, assuming that he's available.
0: Yeah. See, see, to me, it's not the health. I think he'll be available. I think he'll play plenty, but I I'm okay with you having him 14th overall, because Mm -hmm. my God, this offensive line, this team could be just an absolute stone mess. It's not just the knee. There's a lot of other factors going on. With the Giants yeah. right now, so yeah, it's I mean, not just I, his health
1: team. might be fine, but I, I think that he's going to be in a committee in a bad offense, mm-hmm. it, facing bad matchups. So I could pull up what the matchups are right now, but um, it's it's not. I know I I know it's not favorable. I was going through last night. I I went through every game, every team's first six games, and the Giants have one of the tougher ones.
0: Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the Giants, you moved Kenny Galladay down to wide receiver forty-one. From wide receiver 34, Kenny Galladay pulled up lame with a hamstring injury. doesn't sound too serious. Initial timeline is about two to three weeks on Kenny Galladay. You now have him 85th overall. He's behind Debo Samuel. He's behind fake Hollywood, Marquise Brown, behind LaVisca Chenault, behind Tyler Boyd. In other words, way below ADP now on Kenny Galladay. Is this injury related? Is this Giants cold feet related? Talk to the people a little bit more about moving Kenny Galladay down.
1: Yeah, it's it's everything. It's, you know, it's even like changing teams, you know, change, changing quarterbacks. I mean, it's a really big downgrade to go from Matthew Stafford to Daniel Jones. Um, and Kenny Galladay is a contested catch receiver. I think to some extent those guys need practice time with quarterbacks more than the the separators who were, you know, the quarterback can see the guy get open. Kenny Galladay, I mean, there, there's got to be a bond there. Um, you know, for, for that to, you know, for that, that's a mesh for the quarterback to, and especially, uh, I mean, as much as he has struggled again, I, I keep going back. I, I don't understand why it was just like, there was no, and never any question about trying to upgrade an offensive coordinator, just like, Oh, Jason Garrett's coming back. Like yeah. there was never a doubt. And I think that they're going to, they're going to really, it's going to hurt because he has never had the ability shown the ability to make adjustments. You remember going back to Dallas, like Tyron Smith would go out and, they they would just plug, you know, Chaz Green in there, and he'd get killed all game. And there would be no, you know, there was no like um scheme change during the week installed into the game plan to help Chaz Green. And then they get to halftime, he's getting killed in the first two quarters. They come out of out of halftime, and Chaz Green's still in there getting killed for the final two quarters. So um, you know, this is a this is a Jason Garrett thing. And I mean, there he is the the antithesis of an offensive coordinator who would work to minimize his team's weaknesses and maximize their strengths.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I like Kenny Galladay as a player. I can't dispute anything you said. And what Brandon talked about last week, by the way, Brandon's rankings are up now. He had the Giants 30th overall in offensive line, and that's maybe okay for some quarterbacks. Daniel Jones under pressure is just a stone mess. And so that concerns me as well for Kenny Galladay. Staying in the NFC East, Eagles running backs. I want to give a shout out to Elliot Shore Parks, ESP. I know ESP. I've been out with him in Philly a couple of times. Good dude. And uh he's basically been charting first team reps at the running back position. And so what he came out with through the first 10 practices, first team carries right now. Miles Sanders, 34. Boston Scott, 18. Jordan Howard, 4. Kenny Gainwell, just 1. Now, Kenny Gainwell does have 20 catches. We don't know how many of those are with the first team or with the second team. But I think this sounds about right. You know, Miles Sanders is going to get 60, 70, 75% of the carries. We don't know exactly what's going to happen on passing downs. You have Miles Sanders 37th overall. That's a little bit ahead of market. I agree. I've been taking Miles Sanders when he falls to me late fourth. In the fifth, you do not have Boston Scott in your top 150. You do not have Kenny Gainwell in your top 150. How are you thinking about the Eagles backfield?
1: Yeah, I think that even in a scenario where Miles Sanders goes down, Kenny Gainwell does not jump into like a workhorse role. No. You know, I think that he is a niche back. I think that those numbers speak to that. Um, and I think that they see him as like Giovanni Bernard or Naheem you know, Hines, Naheem Hines, absolutely. Who, you know, the Eagles new head coach, Nick Sirianni, of course worked with and used heavily uh, in Indianapolis the past two years. So I think that they see him as a, as a niche back. And I, I don't think that this, you know, this isn't a Philip Rivers offense, though. This is Jalen Hurts. He's going to take off, on, you know, in on third downs, on third and long, rather than checking the ball down. I, I don't know why people are, are so bullish on drafting Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, he, yeah. he goes in every draft. Yeah, I and mean, he's a fifth round rookie with a very limited uh, ceiling, I believe, unless he can somehow knock Boston Scott out of there. If some if some, but I don't think that's happening, right? Sure.
0: I think I totally agree with you. If Miles Sanders were to go down, you'd see Boston Scott in the Miles Sanders role. The only path for Kenny Gainwell to have relevance is that Naheem Hines role. In other words, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott play one role. Kenny Gainwell plays a completely different role, but I don't know if a fifth round rookie is going to be able to do that. And Sanders and Boston Scott play pretty well in the past game themselves. So I was guilty of taking some Gainwell late, you know, last round of underdog drafts. I've stopped doing that. I think there's better late round running back stabs At this point, Rashad Penny uh, comes to mind. Gio Bernard comes to mind as well. DJ Chark hurt his finger pretty badly. Needed surgery, needed a plate installed in one of his fingers. You have given him a massive dump in the top 150. He's now down to wide receiver 42, down to 86th overall. Not good for a receiver to have a finger injury. Talk to people about DJ Chark now.
1: Yeah, that's just a common sense thing. We do not want our our wide receivers to be having surgery on their fingers. I mean, that's it's something that like he could aggravate and be be a problem all year. You compound that with the fact that the reports on DJ Chark, who, you know, was not uh, brought in by the current Jaguars regime, have been very, very mixed throughout training camp. Urban Meyer has like pulled him aside at times, which could be construed as a good thing, could be construed as a bad thing. Um, Said that he was a DJ Chark last year, you know, watching him on film. He was a big wide receiver that played small. And then Matt Harmon was like, yeah, that's exactly what he was. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this was kind of an opportunity really to um, to to dump him. Because and I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. Colin Johnson, the six foot six skyscraper that they've got, um, he apparently he's been having a real nice camp, and now he's going to get all the first team opportunities. They're going to be a three and four wide receiver team. I think they don't mm-hmm. have a pass catching tight end. Yep. You know, ETN's going to get some action at receiver. They've got Marvin Jones, um, you know, who obviously is familiar with Daryl Bevel, the the uh, the new OC, um, LaVisca Chenault. And Colin Johnson, I think, is is gonna be at very least a staple in their four receiver formations. And yeah, you know, I'm not ruling out that like Colin Johnson opens the season as a starter over DJ Chark. It's possible that I didn't dump him enough.
0: Yeah, okay. And and honestly, like I talked about this with Thorman. By the way, the Thorman pod will be out tomorrow. I talked about this with Thorman. He thinks they're gonna play faster than people expect this year and surprise people. And I was thinking, man, I, I want to be higher on Travis Etienne. And now that we kind of removed Chark a little bit from the mix, I think being in on LaVisca Chenault makes a lot of sense, obviously crushing Marvin Jones in the age model. So I've kind of narrowed down my targets on Jacksonville to Etienne and LaVisca Chenault and Lawrence, and I feel pretty good about that. As you've mentioned, very soft schedule to start for the right. Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Yeah. yeah, as a prelude to um, doing the Sneaky Stacks article, which I'm about 90% done with, it should be up tonight or um, or, or tomorrow. Uh, The Jaguars had the sixth softest schedule within or the sixth fantasy friendliest schedule within the first six weeks of the season. Um, So I'm still really like, I think they're going to start hot. They're going to, they're going to come out. They're going to surprise people. People aren't going to know exactly how they're going to play offensively. They've got more talent than people think. Again, all five offensive line starters back. Mm -hmm. They're going to put up some points.
0: Yeah. I mean, Brandon Thorne talked positively about the Jaguars offensive line. Thorman talked positively about their pace we all know that they have talent at the skill positions. so yeah i mean i like the jaguars for sure uh this depth chart stuff you know it's funny we've been doing this for a long time we know that these preseason depth charts mean absolutely nothing mike variable comes out yesterday and somebody asked him a question at the press conference about the depth chart and mike Vrabel says oh let me see that i haven't seen it yeah. yet so, <laughs> so that shows you how much yeah. these coaches actually know about them. But when they confirm my priors, I like to point it out. And so, by confirming my priors, Mikael Hardman was listed opposite Tyreek Hill in the past. The problem for Miko Hardman is he's been listed directly behind Tyreek Hill as Tyreek Hill's direct backup. Again, I think that Mikael Hardman just a no brainer. Forget about the depth chart, but it makes it, it confirms that at least they see him playing a different spot. Then Tyreek Hill, you have him all the way up to 87th overall now. We've been ahead of market on him since, God, I don't know, February or March or something like that. Just been hammering. Nicole Hardman. the market's catching up. Got to keep moving him up. Is that what's going on here by moving Miko Hartman up?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I remember when I first started at Roto World, I did blurbs on every single depth chart that would come out. And Rosenthal was like, "Yo, man, take it easy on the on the depth chart blurbs." You know, I was like, "What? No, we gotta get these. We gotta get this stuff on the site." You know, and and you know, I I eventually I had to learn, you know, that he's right, and I'm at the point where I don't even look at the depth charts at all because it, it may lead you in the wrong direction. I I, th- I think it's maybe even likelier to lead you in the wrong direction than in the right direction. But you know, in instances of confirmation bias,
0: we have gotta right. love it exactly. Okay, you were intent on this michael thomas thing there was a battle uh disagreement within etr about where we should have michael thomas evan is way lower than the field on michael thomas i think some people think michael thomas is still a reasonable pick in the seventh or eighth round there's been some weird reports coming out on michael thomas jeff duncan had a weird report i know you've talked to underhill about it do you want to update the people on what you know right now about michael thomas and how you're thinking about it
1: um yeah. It's just, I mean, this thing has been, there, there's, there's a rift between Michael Thomas and the organization. Um, he got into a fight with Sean Payton and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who seems to get into a fight with everybody, his teammates, you know, all the bears receivers, Javon Wims, Anthony Miller, but he got into it with Michael Thomas and, you know, and then Sean Payton got involved in that. And, you know, the, the ankle injury all last year had to be extremely frustrating Um And then, you know, the, 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 well, they, they collectively decided the saints and Michael Thomas collectively decided that they were going to try to rest and rehab the ink, the ankle, um, and, and, and try to avoid surgery. However, at some point, Michael Thomas stopped answering the calls of the saints trainer and Sean Payton and the wide receivers coach Curtis Johnson for three months. And then all of a sudden he shows up in June and the ankle's not fixed, you know, the ankle is not right. And they're like, all right, well, we have to have surgery, but why were you ghosting us for, Mm -hmm. you know, three months? We probably, you you probably should have, you know, been coming in every couple of weeks to make sure that everything's okay. Um, So I don't, I don't know, man, he, he got his money and, you know, he got his really big deal and maybe he's not, you know, committed to the team as much anymore, or, you know, what, what, what have you. But this was, you know, th- this is like a, a serious thing. And then he's posting stuff on Twitter about, you know, how the, the, he th- he says the team threw him under the bus, like, mm-hmm. and now, th- and that evolves into trade rumors. Like this is, you know, th- this is, this is a, a train going nowhere fast. And, and I, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know if he's going to play a snap for the Saints this year.
0: Yep. Okay. You moved Marquez Calloway into your top 150 mm-hmm. at 137th, all, 30, 137th overall all reports from every beat writer around the saints. And I hate to get into beat writer takes, but man, every beat writer says Marquez Callaway is having a big camp. What do you think about taking him? How would you compare him to Trey and Deontay Harris and these guys, if people are looking to take maybe one saint?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I was talking to Nick Under- underhill about this. And I mean, he kind of tempered expectations for Marquez Calloway. He was like, well, yeah, I mean, he's going to look good. I mean, he's, you know, he's, the rest of the dudes are just, you know, just a bunch of guys, you know, Deontay Harris, Juwan Johnson, they converted to tight end. They're so desperate at, um, uh, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey is like a factor. Um, He, uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey ran four, seven, five coming out of college. Yeah. Um,
0: Ty Montgomery, they're giving wide receiver Montgomery. They converted
1: him from running back to wide receiver, like full time. I mean, they are not in a good place and they don't have, you know, flexibility, either to really go get anybody I don't I there there has has been Cecil of football guys was mentioned they should trade for Tim Patrick I I think Mm -hmm. that that's actually a really smart idea um, assuming that the Denver would want to give him up but they are really short on playmaker playmaking talent it's Alvin Kamara and then just a bunch of guys and Marquez Calloway has you know happens to be the guy who's got you know a little bit of talent and I mean, he's got an interesting profile. Now he went undrafted out of Tennessee after spending four years there, lots of tape on him. That's never a good sign. Mm -hmm. You know, dude plays in the sec, very high profile. You know, he, he averaged over 21 yards per reception with six touchdowns on, on 30 catches as a senior there. And he also returned three punts for touchdowns during his career. And he's 6'1, 205. Like he's not a small little, you know, dainty punt returner. You know, so that's pretty impressive for, mm-hmm. and. but then he goes undrafted, you know, it's like, but still, I mean, I, I think he absolutely is draftable. Traquan Smith has been out of camp for um, uh, at least a week due to some mysterious leg injury. And so Marcus Callaway has been capitalizing. And I mean, I don't expect any kind of like real consistency this year, but it does look like he's, he's almost, he's a virtually certain to be a week one starter for the Saints.
0: Yeah, and also Deontay Harris who was arrested on DUI charges likely to be suspended for at least the first two games of the season. And obviously you want Jameis in there like I wouldn't feel comfortable with Marquez Callaway if Taysom was in there. You want Jameis in there if you're betting on Marquez Callaway. It's a little thing on Antonio Gibson that I thought was notable. Antonio Gibson reportedly getting work in the two-minute drill. That was not something he got whatsoever. And we don't know if this is just a little camp thing. Hey. Let's test him out. But it's at least something, some sign that Antonio Gibson getting two-minute drill work. Upside here is just absolutely massive if Antonio Gibson can pass J.D. McKissage for at least a share of the pass-down work, of the hurry-up work. So that's encouraging. I don't think you moved Antonio Gibson. You have him 17th overall, just behind Joe Mixon and Saquon and J.T. That sounds just about right to me. I just published my perfect draft article. You guys can find that on the site. And I really thought about making Antonio Gibson my perfect pick in round two. I think there's a little bit more downside than maybe I'm comfortable with in the home league format to take him early second round. But man, in these tougher formats, I love getting Antonio Gibson, especially when um, we can, when a lot of the prize pool is concentrated up top. So yeah, I thought it was notable on Antonio Gibson. I don't think there's any movement on this. Just wanted to bring it up. Any more thoughts on Antonio Gibson?
1: No, um, like hearing this stuff though, you know, earlier in camp, Ron Rivera did mention that Antonio Gibson has shown enough that he he will get sprinkled in on third downs and you add the two minute drill stuff I I think that we're, we're headed in a positive direction also Antonio Gibson said that he's completely over that turf toe injury mm-hmm. that bothered him late last year and also followed him a little bit into the
0: offseason but he, he said he, he's
1: totally recovered from it
0: speaking of the Washington football team Curtis Samuel has not practiced due to a groin injury since June 1st I mean This is some groin injury, man, down since June 1st. You have moved him down to wide receiver 49, 111th overall, now behind the Darnell Mooney, Devontae Smith types. I think there were already concerns about exactly what kind of target share Curtis Samuel Mm -hmm. could get. This groin injury is not good, though. I have cold feet a little bit on Curtis Samuel, even though I like him and I absolutely love Washington in general. What do you think about taking him now, given this situation around his groin? He's just a guy that, a hey, you know, at some point in the
1: draft, like 10th, 11th round, if he's there and you need like a fifth receiver, you know, just you could take him. But I, I don't think that anybody should be going out of their way to try to get Curtis Samuel at this point. I think that this is going to be a big like the offense is going to revolve around Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, who I also moved up the rankings, moved him up a tier. Actually, only moved him up one spot. Um, It was ahead of Mike Jasicki, but uh, moved him up a tier. And um, I think that he deserves that. I think that, uh, you know, he's coming off a 72-catch season. Um, They showed a commitment to him by giving him a three-year, $24 million extension uh, just before camp. Those 72 catches were uh, third in the league among tight ends. And I think that um, and his 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 yards per reception was real low. His A dot was pretty low. I think he's going to be able to make more plays in the open field with Ryan Fitzpatrick due to his uh, in, you know enhanced aggressiveness over guy over Kyle Allen and uh, Alex, Smith. Alex Smith and yeah. you know, Dwayne, ha- Dwayne Hastings, By the way, he stunk in the Hall oh. of Fame game. I mean, disaster. These Steelers beat reporters talking him up in training camp just kind of looks silly. When he goes out there and I mean, he, he looked worse than he did in, in Washington.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. He and he
1: was terrible. Yeah.
0: Um, all the Washington receivers, I mean, going to get a boost in aggression in average yeah. depth of target, you know, it's going to be great for Logan Thomas yeah. and all these guys, for sure.
1: Logan Thomas too. I mean, I, he just got better like every game last year, you know, he was really great late in the season, especially. Um mm-hmm. So, and they, they didn't bring in the, the most competition they brought, they brought in for him. Fourth round pick. Uh, out of Boise State, John Bates, who had like 50 career catches in four years in college. So Logan Thomas can be out there every single snap
0: and in in an improved offensive environment. You mentioned the Hall of Fame game. You know, I don't really watch these games to look at how guys do or how they Mm -hmm. perform. I look for how they are used. In this Pittsburgh-Dallas game, the Steelers surprisingly gave their first stringers, not Ben, but their first stringers for the most part, 18 snaps. Najee Harris was out there for 18 snaps, every single first team rep for Najee Harris. You know, not a surprise. That's kind of what we expected. But man, this kind of usage we don't see often in today's NFL. You have him 23rd overall, one spot ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but solidly behind that Antonio Gibson, Mixon, JT types. What do you think of Najee in the Hall of Fame game? And have you changed your outlook on him at all?
1: no but I, I do think that all in all i think your your takeaway should be positive uh regarding Najee harris and we've talked about how the offensive line is probably overrated as it pertains to fantasy projections for running backs when a dude has a chance to get 350 touches gives a shit you know like right. who gives a shit if he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry versus 4.4 like it's just it it really it really doesn't matter especially when he's going to be used a lot in the passing game which yeah. he, he was uh out there running routes uh, in the hall of fame game. Uh, With that said, the Steelers offensive line has already suffered like multiple injuries and this Kevin Dotson dude who uh, was in there last year. I think he was like a six round pick and he was sort of like supposed to be the young offensive line sensation for them. Has not been, he's been working with the twos behind Rashad coward who I can tell you uh, uh, is hated uh, in, in Chicago uh, because the dude was just an absolute swinging gate whenever he'd go in the game at right guard. Um, so there are, the, the issues are significant for the Steelers offensive line. I think it's a much bigger worry for how are they going to be, how are they, how are they going to fare in the passing game? Is Ben going to be able to stand in there and, you know, absorb all these hits? I, I'm, I'm more worried about the passing game um, than I am Najee Harris, who's just going to get a billion touches.
0: Yeah, and it's not just touches and yards per carry. Like Evan said, it is the pass game role. You know, you see a lot of these empty carries for guys between the 20s with bad offensive lines. It's worthless when you are also using the pass game, when you're also using the goal line. It makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Other takeaway I had from that game, there's been a lot of rhetoric out of Cowboys camp that Michael Gallup's route tree is going to change. Last year, Michael Gallup was used as this boundary receiver going vertical. It's really hard to have consistency in fantasy when that's your role. So the rhetoric from Cowboys camp was he's gonna move around he's going to play slot even with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb not playing in this game Michael Gallup only had one slot snap in his seven obviously I'm not going to draw big conclusions from seven snaps in the game but he was only in the slot one time out of the seven you have him 68th overall his ADP is high 72nd overall you know people are on Michael Gallup I don't think he's my favorite cowboy even at value right now he was when he was in like the eighth or ninth round now he's up way higher than that. But yeah, I don't know. Any concern on Michael Gallup that maybe they're just bullshitting about moving Michael Gallup around more? Uh,
1: no, I don't think they're bullshitting. I, I think they're going to do it. I mean, I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to translate to fantasy consistency. Like C.D. Lamb even w- and Amari Cooper, y- even with uh, like Andy Dalton in there last year, Mark Cooper was pretty damn consistent. Uh, and so with C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup just, you know, vanished. So I, and I mean, we're getting Dak Prescott back now. I think that Michael Gallup is going to be a spiked weak player. um, Even though he gets a little bit more uh, slot work. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to be probably an 80% outside receiver, maybe 20% in the slot. You know, Cooper will be like 65, 35 and then CD lamb will be like, you know, uh, 60% in the slot, 40% outside. You know, that that's kind of how I see it working out.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Amari Cooper, I came off the pup list today. We never really wavered on our Amari Cooper rating, even though people were expressing some concern about his injury. The Cowboys planned for this the whole time. I think Amari Cooper is going to be fine. Again, we still have a full month until the season starts. One guy that I'm, I don't want to say getting tired of talking of, we've talked about so much is Trey Lance. I mean, every time I turn around, people are talking up Trey Lance out of San Francisco. Uh, I had the bet last week, uh, Trey Lance plus 330 to start week one. I feel good about you could have gotten some Trey Lance 10 to 1 offensive rookie of the year not too long ago. I mean, Trey Lance is trending up and now you have him up to QB 12 in your rankings. You know, there's other quarterbacks you can get with fast starts with good schedules. Kirk Cousins comes to mind. Trevor Lawrence comes to mind. If you want to roll with Trey Lance as your QB one, I don't think it's the end of the world. I prefer that tier of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray types but man trey lance is getting really really appetizing big move for you though up to qb twelve we've talked about him so much we don't have to spend too much time but but yeah it sounds like you're getting more and more convinced that Trey Lance is going to be in there sometime in September.
1: Yes yes and then the the rankings rise is just reflective of Trey Lance's progression from a guy that you know entering training camp the B Riders are all saying he's not going to start week one you know he's not going to start earlier in the season. Kyle Shanahan is saying it and then all of a sudden you know he starts crushing it. He's just, you know, tears above Jimmy Garoppolo from a talent standpoint. And all of a sudden we got Kyle Shanahan saying, well, you know, he's going to have a role early in the season. You know, so it's just like we're going like this. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to start week one, but I think he's going to start early. Um, like the thing is, man. I
0: don't know. The schedule is soft. Yes. Yes.
1: So if, if Garoppolo gets the nod week one at Detroit and plays well, then he's probably going to get the nod week two against the Eagles. You know, I don't, I don't know. Then they face green Bay and Seattle. I, I think the change will probably the full-time change might be made in there between weeks three and four. I don't know. We're, we're going to have yeah. to see how it goes because it it, it does seem to, to change every week.
0: Yeah. The one thing I'd say is don't believe anything Kyle Shanahan says. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's kind of ridiculousness is why we were able to get why we were able to get Trey Lance plus 450 to be the number three overall pick when everybody thought it was going to be Mac Jones. You know what I mean? And so Kyle Shanahan puts this stuff out here, and that's just not true. A Couple other small things before we get out of here. You move Nelson Aguilar up from wide receiver 59 to wide receiver 50. That's ahead of Jacoby Myers who you have at wide receiver 54. I think the consensus around the industry is that Jacoby Myers is the better pick then Aguilar, what made you move Aguilar up? And what do you think about those two guys, Aguilar versus Jacoby?
1: I think I was just too low on Nelson Aguilar previously. Um, You know, the Patriots gave him a pretty good deal, deal two years, uh, 22 million. He should be their clear number one. Um, They're they're another team that has a really favorable early season schedule. I think it's going to be interesting to see if can Matt Jones, I had them rated as the third fantasy-friendly schedule uh, within the first six weeks of the season. Uh, they, 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 you know, their offense should be able to play well early on. I think that bodes well for Damian Harris and, and just whoever, whoever they start at quarterback. But I don't know. Nelson Aguilar showed that he could uh, win in the deep game. He was more of a run-after-catch run receiver in Philadelphia, but he won the deep game last year with uh, the Raiders, and I think he's going to be the number one for the Patriots. So he just, he belonged higher than I had him previously.
0: All right. Last one we're going to get to here. You dump Tony Pollard just a little bit down from RB35 to RB38. I certainly prefer AJ Dillon in a vacuum over Tony Pollard. There is way more standalone value, in my opinion, in AJ Dillon than Tony Pollard. I think you can also make a case for guys like James Conner, Melvin Gordon, Damian Harris over Tony Pollard as well. It's just a tough ranking because Mm -hmm. if Zeke were to go down, Mm -hmm. I mean, my God, Tony Pollard would be like a top five option. So it's really hard to make a ranking when it's contingent. But his non-contingent case, I think people have overstated how much Tony Pollard is going to play while Mm -hmm. Zeke is healthy. But you moved him down three spots. Talk to the people about that.
1: I mean, I don't really have anything to add to what you just said. I mean, I think that you you laid it out beautifully. Well done.
0: Shout out to me. Shout out to me. Okay. (laughs) We have (laughs) said it all here as we continue to catch up on the top 150 rankings changes again that pod with thorman will be out tomorrow for producer luke for evan i am adam can find evan's top 150 in the draft kit at any time good luck everybody